Alrighty. We got a lot to cover here, so I want to go ahead and uh, get started so we don't run over. Uh, this morning we're going to do something. Um, let me get rid of this. Just want to update my computer. Yeah. Alright, this morning we're going to do something uh, a little bit different. And uh, I, I'm going to, normally I, as you all know, I teach through books of the Bible. And when I finish one, last week we just finished going through Genesis. And uh, next week we'll start our, our, our next study. So normally in between my books of the Bible, I stop and do something a little bit different. And so uh, today I'm going to give my, my testimony. Now this is something that's pretty unusual uh, for me. I, don't, uh, I, I may have done it before. I, if I have, I don't even really remember. Um, I've talked about this to, to individual people, but I've never uh, got up in front of a Bible study or a crowd like this and, and talked about it. Now, there are, before I get started, there's a couple reasons uh, why. And let me say this. This is not just my testimony. Uh, this is Kathy's testimony. This is my mom and dad's uh, testimony. It's her mom and dad's testimony and, and other people uh, that, that went through some of the things we did as well. Um, and, and so I wanted to say that. Now, let me say, first of all, why uh, I, I don't talk about it very much. Um, and I've got, I don't have a lot of slides, but I've got a few just to kind of remind me of things that I want to uh, talk about. I really do believe that with all my heart. I believe that He is greater than I. And what I mean by that is I believe that His words are greater than my words. Paul, Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. And in verse 17 he says, for it reveals the righteousness of God. Now let me tell you, we love testimonies, don't we? We love testimonies. We love a good story. But the problem with testimonies is they're full of, it's, it's my opinion. It's my prejudices. It's my view of, of what happened. It's not the Word of God. So if I've only got 45 minutes a week to spend with you, I want to teach the Word of God because it has power. If you really want to know who God is, you don't find it in my testimony. You find it in the Word of God. So like I said, if I've only got 45 minutes, that's where I want to spend it. But I do think there are time and places for personal testimonies. In Acts 26, Paul stands before King Agrippa and he, he says, okay, here's my testimony. So there are a time and a place, and I felt like today was those times. And that's, that's the one first reason I don't talk about it a lot. The second reason I don't talk about it a lot is because it still hurts. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. They say time heals all wounds. That's not true. That's not true. Time makes it easier to deal with, but there's some things that happen to you in your life that time does not heal. It'll always hurt to go back there. It'll always hurt to talk about those things. And so I'm not really anxious sometimes to talk about those things because they're, they're still painful. But I do felt like... And so you may ask, well, okay, why today? I, there's a lot of reasons some of it came out of the study of Genesis and some things that I just I learned in that study that I felt like you need to talk more about what happened uh, to you. Uh, also, another reason is, you know, I stand up and I talk about scriptures like this and I talk about it with a passion. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God. And you may sit out there, you know, I come in here Sunday after Sunday and you may sit there and say, well, that's easy for you to say, but it's not. That's not easy for me to say at all. And I want you to know that's not coming from a head knowledge. That's coming from somewhere deep down 
when I, when I talk about stuff like this, it's coming from, from somewhere deep down inside of me, and I think you need to know uh, why. And so that's kind of where I decided to, to do this today. So, so let's, let's kind of get started with this. Now, I won't go all the way back to the womb. I won't, I won't bore you with that. But I do want to start with Kathy. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I asked this beautiful 16-year-old girl out on a date. In fact, I, I didn't have the nerve to ask her. I thought she was out of my league. So I asked a friend of mine to ask her that if, that if I asked her, would she go out with me? And so he did, and she said she would. And so I called her, and, and we went out on, on some dates. And, and uh, one date turned into, into, into three years. And uh, I can tell you it's something. I've had a lot of doubts in my life, but that's one thing I've never doubted. Never. And, and she has been a rock in, in my life. So on October 15th of 1983, uh, we got married. She was, I was 20 years old. She was 19. Uh, if my kids tried to get married at that age, I'd say, are you crazy? But for whatever reason, everybody was like, yeah. And, and it was the right thing to, to do. And so we got married and I was still in college and we were poor and didn't have anything. And to be honest, could have cared less. Still don't really care. I mean, we've got each other, and that's, that's all that's ever really mattered in our marriage. And, and so we start our life, and it's kind of like an adventure. And, and I graduate college, and I get a job, and we buy a house, and everything's just rolling along, right? I've got, we've got a plan. We all kind of have a plan, don't we, how our life's going to turn out. And so we thought, well, you know, after a few years of marriage, we'll have a, a child. And so she got pregnant, and, and February 11th of 1988, our oldest son, Josh, was born. Um, he was very healthy. I think he was like nine pounds, two ounces or something. And, you know, when that Kathy was a trooper and I was traumatized. I, I <laughs> never seen anything like that before, right? So, um, but, it, you know, life was really good. And, and, and we brought him home and, and, and just, again, everything was going according to plan. Now, if you had asked me at that time, keep in mind, I'm 25 years old. When, when Josh is born, we're, Kathy and I are just really just kids. We're, we're not spiritual giants by any stretch of the imagination. And if you would have asked me at the time, what's your theology? What do you, what do you think about God? Basically, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I think back now, in my mind, I kind of had this contract with God that I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to be a good father, and I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful to my, to my wife, and I'm going to pay my tithes, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to do all the right things and God, you're going to protect me. You're going to bless me. If you do good, good things happen. And if you do bad, bad things happen. That's kind of a, a, a general theology we all have, right? We, we may not say it that way, but in my mind, I kind of had this contract with God. Just do the right things, and God's going to bless you, and nothing bad is going to happen to you. And so uh, we wanted more kids, and so... Uh, we want them, you know, two or three years apart, and so uh, Kathy got pregnant again, and uh, and that, of course, brings us up to October twenty third of nineteen ninety, and uh, so uh, we, Kathy got pregnant. I don't remember. I, I should have asked her this if if we had an ultrasound or not. If we did, there was no problems. We 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 expected to go into that uh, birthing room and come out with a healthy uh, baby girl, but that was, that was not the way uh, that it happened. Uh, that day when Rebecca was born, 
when, as soon as she was born and we looked at her, we knew immediately something was, was wrong. Both of her feet were clubbed. They were, they were turned uh, like 90 degrees inward. And, and we knew immediately that, well, that's obviously that's not right. And, of course, the doctor said, well, we need to get her checked out because that's normally a sign of, of something else being, being wrong. And, and you've got to remember, in 1990, there is no Internet, okay? You didn't just pull out your phone and, and start looking up things. You didn't go to your home and get on your computer and do research. You didn't do that. In fact, our pediatrician had to go to the library and do research. And I think he came, it was the next day he came in and he said, well, as best I can tell, Rebecca has something called Larson syndrome. And it was something that's very rare. Um, he had never seen it or heard of it before. But it's, a, it's a, a condition where all of her joints didn't form correctly. So her ankles were out of joint, her knees were out of joint, her hips were out of joint, her wrists, her elbows, her shoulders, they were all out of joint. And we would say, well, can you tell us, you know, is she going to be able to walk? It, he couldn't tell us really anything. He just didn't, they just didn't know. All we really knew is there'd be a lot of doctors and a lot of surgeries and a lot of unknown things uh, ahead of us in our life. Now, you can imagine, and I know some people here have gone through things like that. You're just, when you expect a healthy child and you don't get that healthy child, you're just, for a time there, you're just devastated. You know, and you just, I mean, you're just devastated, right? But can I tell you, life just goes on. Life doesn't stop. Right? Everybody just, it just keeps, you got to go back to work and go back to school and go back and start, you just got to start living again. And so we went home and our church rallied around us. And of course, we had family and, 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 and everybody was there for us. And so we just kind of went home and took her home. And it was just this unknown of, of what we were going to have to uh, face. I wrote down four things that I remember about the next two years, and, and very general. The first one is just love, right? Because at the end of the day, Rebecca is our daughter, and we love her just like we love any other child. In some ways, when you have a special needs child, you, you love them even more, right? Because they depend on you, and they need you so much. And so you just, you know, you just pour everything you have into them. So I just remember this just this great love that, that we had um, for her. The, the next two thing I remember is, of course, doctors. You go from this life where you never go to the doctor, and now it's just doctors, 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 doctors. We had to go through situations. She had multiple surgeries. I don't remember exactly how many. But, you know, if you've ever handed your baby over to a, an anesthesiologist, if you've ever had to do that, knowing they're going to take her back, put her to sleep, that is a, it's, it's a horrible thing to have to deal with, right? And, and if you've ever done that, you know. And, and so we had to do that several times over the next uh, couple years. Another thing I remember is just constant anxiety, constant worry. You may not know this, but I'm kind of a worrier. But the crazy thing of the way I worry is I don't worry about what's happening right now. I worry about things I have no control over. I remember when she was a baby, I would worry, are kids going to make fun of her when she goes to school? I would worry about things like that. I remember worrying, who's going to take care of her when I die? Things that are so far out in the future, but those are things that just weigh on you. They sit on you all the time, and you just, 
it's like you just can't get rid of them. So you got this child and you're just loving her and you're just worried about her and it's just all of this is going on. And then, of course, I remember prayer. Listen, I prayed more in that two years than I've probably prayed the rest of my life, all put together. There was a, a park near where I worked at the time and I would remember at lunch I would just skip and I wouldn't eat and I'd go to that park and I would just walk and I would pray, God, please heal her. Please, God, I'll do anything. See, I'd always been taught, I'd been in church, if you say to this mountain, if you've got enough faith, you can say to that mountain, be moved and cast in the sea and it'll go. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to build this. If, you, if any of you here have ever prayed for something like that, you'll know the, the feeling, what's, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have enough faith? Because nothing happened. I would pray and pray and pray. I remember one time I said, God, I'm going to go in that room and I'm going to pray and I'm not coming out till she's healed. And of course I did. And you just feel like such a failure, to be quite honest with you, as a Christian and as a man. And so, you know, all of this, just some things that I, we're, we're going through over these uh, couple years. Now that brings us to the weekend of August 28th, 29th, and 30th. So August 28th was a Friday uh, Rebecca was about 22 months old. Uh, Josh was a little over four at the time. Kathy was a stay-at-home mom, and I worked in town. So I would get up early every morning, and, and I'd get a shower, and I'd get ready, and um, I'd usually check on the kids before I left. So it was a Friday morning, August 28th, and got up, got a shower, got ready, and I'd usually leave about 7. And so Kathy and Josh and Rebecca were still asleep. So I remember going in and checking on Josh, just looking in on him, making sure he was okay. And then I went into Rebecca's room, just check on her like normal, and I, and I walked in the room, and I looked over in the crib, and I immediately noticed something was, was wrong. She had, like, foam coming out of her mouth, and her, her breath was just raspy. I mean, just very, I could just tell her breathing wasn't right, and when I reached over to pick her up, she was just burning up with, with fever. And so I, I grabbed her, and I ran her into the, the living room, and I laid her on the carpet, and I called Kathy, and I said, call 911, and, and uh, we were just putting stuff. I, I mean, it's all a blur. If any of you have ever been through anything like that, it's just, it's just chaos, right? It's just, it's just a blur. You're just doing the best you can. And uh, she was just burning up with fever, and we're trying to get her fever down. And, and we heard, like I said, her, her breathing is just, just very ragged. I, I mean, you could tell something was wrong. Paramedics came to the house, and... They came in and they, they, they worked on her and, and they said it was probably what they called a, 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 a febrile coma. Uh, it's where a, a child runs a fever so high they kind of go into a, a coma. And, and so they put her in the ambulance and they rushed her up to TMH. And, of course, we called parents and I don't remember how it all happened. But I, I remember getting to the hospital and, and again, very a lot of chaos. I remember... <laughs> One of my memories about that is I remember, and I'm going to try to tell you this stuff without breaking down, but I remember going in there, and I'm, you're, as a man, you're supposed to be strong, right? And you're supposed to be able to handle all this stuff. And I remember going in there, and my, I remember, I don't remember the room or what, I remember seeing my mom. And when I saw my mom, I just broke down. I mean, I just sobbed like a little boy, like it all just released out of me. My pastor was there, and so we were in there, and... Um, I mean, we know she's sick. They, they, it's a Friday. We go through the afternoon. They've got her on a respirator. They're breathing for her. So we knew it's bad. But in my mind, 
I thought, okay, well, you know, she's sick, but the doctors will do what they do. They'll, they'll get her fever down. They'll get some fluids in her. They'll, they'll do whatever they do, and she'll be okay, and we'll take her home. Again, timing is, is a little rough here. I don't remember if it was that night. I don't remember if it was Saturday morning. All I remember is two doctors uh, took me and Kathy into a room, and um, one of them was a specialist. I don't remember who the other one was. And, and basically, they took us into a room, and, and they told us that she was brain dead, that there was nothing that they could, uh, that they could do. So we had to make a decision, and I remember... Her little hands and feet were turning blue because her organs were all shutting down. And, and um, so we had to go into that room on Sunday, August the 30th. And we sat there in that room and they took her off the respirator. And we held her while she died. Now, that was just horrible. It's horrible. I wouldn't wish something like that on my, on my worst enemy to go through something like that. And, you know, we, we got through that, and I remember the Lord being with us at the funeral and the things that we went through, and, and I won't try to go through all the details. I remember the week after, we, uh, we just took Josh... And I think we went to Panama City just, just to get away. You know, that was another thing. How do you tell your four-year-old child that your, his sister has died? I mean, just, this ain't supposed to happen to me. I remember just thinking that. What, this is not supposed to happen to me. This happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. So we just took Josh and we just went away for a week to spend some time with him and because, you know, obviously it was all about her that last that weekend. So we wanted it to be about him. We took him away and spent some time. And then you come back and life goes on. Your life just will not stop. And so I remember as time moves on, three things. I, you know, I, I got through the initial part of it, Kathy and I did. And, you know, if you go through something like that, you're just so, so sad. I know some of y'all have been through things. You're just so, so sad. Somebody asked me one time, did I ever think about killing myself? And I said, no, no, absolutely not. I would never have done anything like that. But I can tell you this, I know what it feels like not to want to wake up the next morning. I know what it feels like not to want to wake up and think, I've got to go through another day and a day after that, just just to somehow want it to stop. I get that. I, I have empathy for that, for someone that feels that way. Now, the next few uh, months go by, and I thought I was handling it pretty good, and I start, in my mind, the questions start. And the questions were, okay, God, why did you let this happen? I, I thought we had a deal. I thought this, that's not, this ain't, I didn't, this is not how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to serve you and, 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 and be a good husband and father and a good Christian, and you're supposed to not let things like this happen to me. So I kept asking why, 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 and I just wasn't getting any answers. And the questions, when I couldn't get any answers, I began to have doubts. I mean real doubts, not just 
little doubts. I mean doubts like, is there even a God? I remember I went through a period where I thought, man, maybe all this stuff is just a joke. Maybe, maybe there is no God. Just began to, to really doubt. But I could, you know, the funny thing was, even with, with all that was going on, I could never cross that line into believing there's not a God. I, to me, it's just not rational. When I look at my body, I've, I've told you all this before, when I look at the stars and the heavens and the earth and, and my body and the way things work, it's just obvious to me. It's always been obvious there's a God. That, that to me is just the rational thing. It's irrational to believe any other way. So I never could go that. So I think, okay, well, there is a God, but maybe he just created all this and now he just sits back and watches us all kill each other. Maybe he don't really care about all this that goes on. And just a lot of, a lot of doubt. And then the doubt turned into anger. I got really, really mad at God. Really angry at God. And uh, I would just, I mean, I was just mad at him. I mean, who else was I going to be mad at, right? It wasn't anybody else's fault. To me, it was his, it was his fault. And that just kind of grew into, uh, into anger. Three years go by, three absolutely miserable years. I was a miserable human being. I, I don't know how Kathy... Kathy, by the way, you, may, you see me up here all, every Sunday, and I'm quoting Scripture and preaching and all that. That's the rock. You want to talk to a rock, you go talk to her. Not me. I'm doubting and angry, and, and she's just Kathy. She's just dealing with it, right? I mean, she's there. And I was just absent. I'm off, off doing all this. I don't know how she, how she ever dealt with it. I'm sure I punched a couple doors and put holes. I mean, I was, I was just angry. I was a miserable human being. Three years go by, and Kathy and I, we, we didn't want Josh to grow up without any siblings. And so we're trying to make a decision whether to have another baby. That was, that was really hard. <laughs> Because the idea of going into that room and having that happen again was almost too much. I just couldn't imagine, what, what if it happens again? Kathy and I went to Shands. We did genetic testing, and they ran all these tests because we had no history of anything like that. And, they, and the, the genetic people said, man, we can't find anything. It just happened. And so they couldn't tell us you got a 10% chance or a 90% chance. or a, They couldn't tell us anything. So Kathy and I really struggled whether to have another, another child. Just couldn't, couldn't make up our mind. And then finally, and I don't remember the thought process, but finally we decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to have another child. And I remember, and, and the date might be a little off here, but somewhere around August of 95, I, I know we, we were at the beach somewhere, and I remember Kathy telling me that she was pregnant. And I needed something. I was just stuck in my misery. You know, sometimes we get stuck. We are just absolute. We're angry and miserable. And we just need something to just kick us out or give us some kind of impetus to get out of that. And uh, for me, it was that. It was, it was her saying, we're going to have another child. And I just remember thinking, man, I, I, I got I to do something. I, I can't, I can't keep being this way. I don't want to have another child come in and me be a, a father that's angry and mean and bitter and just ugly. I got to do something. And so what I did is I, I got this idea. 
the, my, the company that I worked for at a time had this counseling program. And, uh, see, I wanted to talk to somebody, but I, I wanted to talk to somebody that was divorced from the situation. I didn't want to go to my pastor because I, I knew all the things he was going to tell me. I knew the word. I knew all the things he was going to say. I didn't want to hear that. I needed somebody else that could give me a different perspective. In my mind, that's what I'm thinking. So I, 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 they, I, you could get up to like six sessions or something. Uh, I forget what the deal was. But anyway, I, so I looked at these counselors, and I found one that said Christian counselor. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go talk to, to this man. And so I, I set up an appointment. And I went and sat down with him, and, and we began to talk, and, and I told him all about the situation, and he began to talk to me. Well, I hadn't been there, and I don't remember how many sessions we went to. I know uh, Kathy went with me one time. Mom and Dad went up there uh, with us one time. But I remember I hadn't sat very long in that guy's room, and he began to say some things, and I began to think, well, that's, that's not right. That's, that's not true. He would talk about God and he would, he would say things about Scripture. Or the Bible says this. And I thought, no, the Bible, the Bible don't say that. See, it didn't take me long to realize, wait a minute, you're not a Christian. You say you're a Christian. You got Christian over your, over your, your title, but you're, you're not a Christian. You don't believe. You don't believe. In, and I remember this as distinctly as I'm sitting there right now. I remember thinking, you don't believe in the God I believe in. And it hit me right then and there. You know, it was like, it was like I had this vision of God in my teenage years, right? I had built up all this picture. We all have kind of a picture of who God is. And that picture got blew up. And I went down, 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 down. And I got to the very bottom... And I hit a rock. And that rock was, I believe. I, I, I've, all, over the years, I've often go, gone back to John 6. You remember this in the Bible when Jesus is talking and he's saying some things that are pretty hard. And it says many of his disciples turned away from him. Those are, by the way, those aren't just casual listeners. Those were his disciples. Those are people that followed around him around to learn from him. They deserted him. And he turned to the twelve and he said, are you going to leave me? And Peter said, where else can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe you are the Son of God. That was where I was at in that room. I got to the point where I said, okay, God, I believe. This may shock some of you, but it won't shock God at that time. I said, I don't really like you. I'm still mad at you. But I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross for my sins. I believe He was buried and on the third day rose again. I believe that. And I'm going to tell you, in that room, it got settled in my heart. I would never doubt again. Never again. No matter what happened in my life, that got settled that day in that, in that room. This is going on in the nine months that Kathy's pregnant. Of course, May of 1996, we go, uh, May 1st of 96, we go into that delivery room. I'm terrified. I'm scared out of my shoes. And of course, Micah's born and, and he's perfectly healthy and, and, uh, and, and he's been a, an absolute blessing to us for the last 
for the last 23, uh, 23 years. I, I want to, from 96 to 2006, 10 years go by. So you would think, and this is kind of the way God is, you would think, okay, you come out of that room, all of a sudden you're just going to go out and preach the word. <laughs> or do great, no. I, I, you know, it's like God just says, okay, son, let's start growing. Let's start, let's start finding out who you really are. Because all you've got now is I believe. All the other stuff of who God was, I got, I'm, I'm lost. See, because what happened in that, in that uh, with Rebecca is not only did I lose a daughter, in my mind I lost a God. But I, I lost a vision of a God that I had just built up. I, I needed to know who He was. Really know who He was. So over the next ten years, we're just living our life. I'm, you know, Micah's growing up and we're teaching children's classes, we're working in the nursery, we're doing vacation Bible school, we're, I'm, 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 you know, we started attending Sopchoppy First Baptist somewhere around 99 or 2000 and sitting under uh, Henry's ministry. I, over time, in that 10 years, I became a board member. I was working with uh, Scooter in the men's ministry, just, just involved, but I wasn't teaching. I was reading my Bible, but I wouldn't say I was passionate about the Bible or or anything, uh, anything like, like that. In December of 2006, Scooter came to me and said, Hey, I, I want to start a Bible study class, and um, it's, we're going to call it Wise Builders. And let's team teach. You teach one Sunday, and I'll teach the next. And I thought, well, that's a great idea, because the last thing I want to do is have to teach every Sunday. Who wants to have to do, who wants to have to do that, right? So I thought, this is a great idea, so yeah, I'll help you out. And so Scooter and I started teaching. Well, Scooter lasted about, I don't know, what, three months, Scooter? And Scooter says, man, I, you're better at this than I am, and, and can you do it? And I said, okay, I'll keep doing it. And, and so I taught for a, a couple years. Now, there was, a, there was some stuff going on in the church at the time, uh, and I won't go into a lot of details, but there was some really bad theology. There were some people teaching some stuff that I just didn't think was right. And I, th- I felt like there were some people that were really deceived. And I remember thinking one day, how do, how do people get to that point where they're so deceived? And I just remember this thought, well, what are you doing about it? You're not doing anything about it. Why aren't you teaching some of these things? Why aren't you teaching the Word of God better than you are? And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good point. Maybe I need to do something. So... In August 08, I, I, I stopped teaching the men's class, and I, um, I started a new class, and I invited men and women. It was over there in the module, and I taught a class on discernment. It lasted about four months, and I was just teaching people how to discern from the Word of God. And it was the first time that I really had to study, really had to get in and figure some things out. And I, as I did, I began to realize, man, this is, I, I'm, I like this. This is kind of, I enjoy this, and... And then so I, after that ended, I needed another subject. So there was a book by C.S. Lewis that I absolutely love called Mere Christianity. And I thought, well, I'll teach through that book. And so I did. I taught through the book Mere Christianity, and that lasted a few months. And then in May 09 to August 09, I taught through a class called Beliefs, where I looked at the beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Catholicism and, and other, other uh, religions. So I'm teaching, and I'm, I'm kind of learning... But I'm thinking to myself, man, this something's missing. I don't, I don't like this just jumping from topic to topic. Something, there's got to be a better way 
of teaching the Word of God than, than the way that I'm doing it. Sometime during uh, 09, Henry walked up to me. He had never given me a CD before. He's never given me a CD since then. And he was cleaning out his office, and he said, Hey, I found this CD uh, somebody gave me. I thought you might want it. And I took it at the time, and I just put it in my visor in my truck, and, and I just forgot completely about it. A few months go by, and I'm somewhere waiting for somebody, and I was needing something to listen to. And so I just flipped down, and I found that CD, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just pop it in. And I heard this guy, John MacArthur, preaching. The name of the CD was Our Few Being Saved. And I'd never heard anybody preach like that. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. And, and this was the days in the iPod. Everybody remember uh, the iPod days where you could go to their website and download sermons. So I downloaded a bunch of his sermons and started listening, and it didn't take me long to realize he was something I had never heard this word before. It was called, he was an exegetical preacher. That means he would preach through books of the Bible. Now, I was 43 years old. I had never heard of that in my life. Never heard of anybody doing that. And I remember thinking, what a, what a brilliant idea. Man, you mean I, could, I, I wouldn't have to worry about what i got to teach next Sunday? i just go to the next verse or the next passage? I could do that. And so I did. I started in September of '09, and I taught through the book of Acts. And I picked Acts because I thought, well, this will be easy. You know, it's got a lot of history and stuff in it. And it was fairly, fairly straightforward. But then I had to make a decision on where I was going to go next. And for some reason, I, I chose the book of Ephesians. And that changed my life. You see, I knew there were things in Ephesians that I had no idea what they meant. Like Ephesians 1, where, where God says, I chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before I made the world, before I even created anybody, I had already chose you to be a Christian. And I'm like, I got no idea what that means. No, no clue. There was stuff there I just had no idea. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to... I'm going to have to study and prepare like I never have before. And I went into that book, and I found a God in that book that I had never known before. I didn't know that God. A God that was sovereign. A God that was always there. A God that was always in control. No matter what I, I went through. And it just, it just exploded in me. And I was like, why didn't I know this back then? If I had just known who you were, I would have handled all of that stuff differently. You remember all, and the reason this all ties together, all those questions I had, why, why, where are you, who are you? All of those got answered 17, 18 years later. Every, I found answers to all of my questions in my study of the book of Ephesians. So I put that quote there. I heard reports about you. I'd heard about you, but now for the first time, I see you for who you really are. And that changed everything. And that birthed a passion in me for the Word of God. Like I had never... I just had no clue. that, that the, I mean, There were so many things in the Bible that I just skipped. If you were like me, a lot of us... There's a lot of things in the Bible. I got no idea what that means. Just move on. And it was like somebody just opened it up, and I, for the first time, all these scriptures that I didn't understand, I, I understood them for the first time. And it was just, it was just unbelievable. You see, when I quote scriptures like that, 
It's coming from deep down inside of me. See, God redeems things that are evil. He takes ashes and He turns them into something beautiful. He took all the stuff that happened to me and to Kathy and our family, all the bad, ugly, hurtful stuff, and I'm standing here today teaching the Word of God. And, and not just teaching it, but believing it with everything that's inside of me. See, I wanted you to know that. That's not just something that comes out of my head. It's something that comes out of deep within who I am. I believe that because I've experienced that. A lot of people go through hard times. A lot of people go through bad things. And there are, by the way, there are Christians out. I mean, non-Christians, even non-believers. Let me tell you, when you go through something like that, in my experience, it's going to drive you to God or it's going to drive you away from Him. There's a lot of people who've gone through things like that and it has crushed them. It has destroyed their faith. And then there are others that it draws you closer to Him in a way that nothing else ever could have. And I understand there are people out there, even non-Christians, who can overcome adversity. They go on to found organizations to, to volunteer their time. They, they, they try to make something good out of tragedy. And, I'm, and that's a great thing. But let me tell you what's different about a Christian. You see, a Christian can go through something, and they can look back, and they can sing that song. And they can mean it with every fiber of their being. When I sing that song today, all my life, you've been faithful. You see, when, when Rebecca was born, he was faithful. When Rebecca died, he was faithful. When I was angry at him and hated him, he wouldn't let me go. He was faithful. So when I say to you, all my life, he's been faithful. All my life, he's been good. I believe that. And you say, how is that possible? I got no clue. That's a God thing. That ain't me. That's a God thing. How can I not help but proclaim His goodness? How can I not help but proclaim His Word when He's done all that He's done for me? Do I know, somebody asked me one time, would you be doing what you're doing if that hadn't happened? Well, that's an impossible question to answer. There's millions of, of permutations. and That's not the point. The point is I am doing what I'm doing because of what happened. He took something bad and He turned it into something good. And let me tell you, everybody here goes through adversity. Everybody here suffers through pain. What I want to do is introduce you to the God who is faithful in that. So you don't have to be angry and bitter and go through all those years of junk that I did, that you can get grounded in who He is before you go into the storm. That's what I'm, I'm passionate uh, about. I, I went on, by the way, starting in uh, after I finished the Ephesians study, we went through Hebrews, we've gone through Romans, we've gone through John, we've talked through Galatians, we've talked through 1 Corinthians, we talked through the parables of Jesus, and we just finished up a year and a half in, in Genesis. Thirteen years here at River of Life, teaching the, the Word of God. And it's gone by like that. God is so, so good. 
What's next? Well, I've been giving you a few clues as we've gone through. All those quotes come from one book. Does anybody know what that book is? That's the book of Job. I tell you, the book of Job was a Job that I read, a book that I read over and over and over and over and over again when I was trying to find the answers. You know, there's one thing I found out over the years. If you go to an atheist website, which I tend to visit because I like to know sometimes how they, how they view things. If you go to an atheist website and you look at one of their number one reasons for not believing, it's that question right there. Why does a good God allow suffering? A lot of people cannot come to Christ because of that question. And a lot of people that have been in this church have walked away because of that question, because they, they had adversity in their life, and they thought, well, where's God? But you see, He wouldn't let me walk. By the way, I know if I'd have been left to myself, I'd have been long gone. Long gone. But He would not let me go. He would not let me go. And He will not let anyone go who is truly His own. That is a... This is a great question, right? And we're going to try to answer this question starting next week with our study in the, uh, the book of Job. I think you'll be surprised for those of you that have not read it. Um, it is one of the greatest books ever written, Christian or non-Christian. I forget the guy's name. He wrote uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame and Les Miserables. He was one of the great writers of, of the of, of uh, I think it was a French writer, and he said, if, if all the books in the world were destroyed and I could save one book, he said, I'd save the book of Job. And he wasn't even a Christian. That's how wonderful a book it is. And it is, it's one of the only places in the Bible where a human being has asked why and God showed up to answer. Only place in the Bible where God says, okay, you want my answer? Here it is. And we're going to start looking at that uh, next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Um, Lord, I, I, I don't pray so much for, for my words. I pray more for the study that's coming up uh, for the book of Job, God, as we start in it next week. I just pray, Lord, that you just open that up to us.